So watch your filthy mouths. Watch your filthy mouths. And I, I'm the MC this week, so um, I guess I'll kick things off. God help us. So welcome to Three Friends in Search of a Podcast. With me is Jeremy and Lou, sweet ass Lou. And uh, <laughs> as the name as the name implies, <laughs> we are three no. from friends. Just back up. It's sweet Lou, not sweet ass Lou. That's I, I a thought, different I thought guy. it was sweet motherfucking Lou. That's more appropriate. There we go. Why no ass? Yeah, yeah, Lou. Because that says I'm a bottom with a sweet ass. Yeah. Ooh, Don't want to be that guy. Not that I have a problem with those. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with <laughs> those <that>. designations <laughs> for. Not that there's anything wrong with sweet asses. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'll make the retraction. So Sweet Lou <laughs> is joining us along with my uh, good friend Jeremy. And uh, as the name implies, we're three friends and we decided to start a podcast. We don't have a clue what the podcast is actually going to be about because we're in search of that. We are three friends in search of a podcast. We're, we're five and, episodes uh, closer to figuring out what the hell this podcast is about. And will we ever figure it out, really? I mean, that's the question. Oh, I hope not, because then the podcast would be over. <laughs> <laughs> so note to self, never never uh, land on a... Never make a decision, <laughs> ever. Never make a decision. <laughs> well, so uh, tonight's topic that I'm going to lay out on the table for you cats is... Um, this was kind of inspired by all the texting the three of us do together, because we're always texting, like, hey, man, have you seen this show? And you got to check out this episode. And, uh, you know, we're like all everybody else we're we're watching our shows and stuff, but, um, is there too much visual media out there specifically movies and TVs? And this is what I mean. Back when we were kids going in the way back machine, back um, in the old days, back in the old days, three channels, I mean, I three channels, three channels. That's, that was it. And, this was, of course, pre-DVR, pre-VCR even. And what you got is what you got. And if you missed something on TV, that's it. You know, if you missed a Christmas special, if you missed the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you were screwed. You weren't going to see it until the next Christmas. And so because of that, you know, I think a lot of shows and stuff, um, they were commodities in that sense. You know, they had value because they were so temporal and you only had one chance to watch it. And there wasn't a lot of options. And now there are so many options. And it's to the point where people, everyone's kind of watching their own set of series, you know. It wasn't that long ago that um, there'd be TV shows and people would talk about it because everybody would be watching the same thing. You know, going back to the 90s, you'd see a Seinfeld episode. And the next day at work, everybody was talking about that Seinfeld episode, cracking jokes. And, uh, you know, talking about it. But it seems like those days are kind of behind us and that everybody is just immersed in their own set of TV shows that they're into that some people might be watching, others might not. And it's just mind boggling the array of the variety of, of shows and movies and stuff that you can watch. You know, you've got Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO Max, just to name a few. And on any one of those platforms, there's millions of shows that there's no way you're ever going to get through. So that's what I'm kind of laying out on the table, you guys. Is there too much TV? Is there too much movies? Is there too many choices? Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Would you rather have fewer shows that everyone can kind of bond over? Or do you like the idea that there's just an unlimited unlimited buffet of uh, of media to watch right now what do you guys say about that mm. well i would say <laughs> that um this is even in the days of the three tv shows you can uh, the three networks and a lot of that communal watching is kind of fun everybody saw the last episode of mash everybody saw right, last right. night and that, that's pretty cool but when you look at that stuff nowadays a lot of it doesn't hold up like i was a big fan of knight rider have you ever watched Knight Rider? <laughs> you ever watched Love Boat? You ever watched <laughs> Fantasy Island? Like it's Fantasy shitty. Island? It's shitty. It doesn't hold up. It's just kind of like 
you had everybody captive and whatever you put on is what people watch. So having all these options has increased the quality of it. It's not all quality, but the quality has definitely gone up. You're never going to see full house again or um, everybody loves Raymond or whatever. So right. I, I think that, that <laughs> we just alienated 50 percent of our listening audience right there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Lou. <laughs> Way to go, Lou. I love Raymond. <laughs> and even like the sort of premier TV shows like Taxi and Cheers and All in the Family, even those don't hold up very well. Whereas stuff that started popping up, well, I guess this is even before streaming, the premier um, cable shows like Mad Men, Breaking Bad, those are awesome. Yeah. And those will last yeah. Till the end of time or like the last one i can think of that will live forever is the simpsons in terms of network television like our kids love uh, malcolm in the middle so there's some that do stand the test of time but i think the need for content and the sort of wide swath of what's allowed on content has brought the quality up so it's true the part of the water cooler days where everybody saw the same thing and we all knew what we were talking about it's kind of gone, but like you were saying, we can all tell each other, hey, did you watch Atlanta Teddy Perkins? And uh, you tell them <laughs> to watch it, and then the next day they come <laughs> in and go, holy crap, that thing was wild. So I do appreciate the depth and breadth of quality. But even before streaming, when cable popped up, like we had three networks in my town, and cable came in about 82, 83. And even yeah. then, there was 50 channels, and four of them, that you watched the networks plus another four right so there was still hundreds of hours of shit that nobody watched right well pretty so much yeah at the, at the risk of getting sued we we absolutely need to insert a little clip here of bruce springsteen's 57 channels of nothing on and i'll, I'll, I'll in, in post editing i'll see if i can get a little snippet of that and we'll, we'll see how much we can we can throw in there before we get sued by amr or whatever is that a bruce song it is oh well, i don't know is is that a cover or if he was did it originally? I think he did it originally. Huh. So yeah, so there I, you go. I, 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 I totally agree. Three hundred fifty-seven channels and nothing on. I, I I agree with everything you just said, Lou. But but the the one thing that I think is fascinating though is that you really bring up a kind of a different concept, right? Like it, there's there's two kind of parallel paths of this kind of discussion. You know, one is the quality and the evolution thereof right but then and then to brad's original point though there's the quantity right and and there's you know the way that we react to those shifting qualities and quantities is is i mean you really can't talk with one without the other but they really are kind of different um you know phenomenon that just happen to co coalesce at the same time because of of you know uh, different forces and stuff like that but to, to brad's original point about the quantity uh, you you have to you, you know, whenever you're talking about this kind of shit you, you can't discount the fact that, that the internet is to blame right because the, the the internet has been the the preeminent force for commoditization of media without question right sure so uh, i mean and it's like and if you go back pre-internet back in the day Right. The first step in that was the, the VCR. Right. So the, the VCR was the kind of the first step in that in that time yeah. shifting of media consumption. So no longer did you have to watch the show live when it was on one of those three or four networks. And then, like you said, you had the water cooler the next day. Oh, my God. Did you see that awesome show last night? Oh, no, I missed it. Damn it. Right. Now, the VCR would let you watch, you know, a movie or and in some cases, television shows and, and stuff like that and time shift it. And that, and that whole concept of time shifting even came about with you know with the fact that you could record something and then it just you know it just went downhill from there when the internet came in and ruined everything yeah dvr that was another big milestone mm, totally yeah totally yeah the only uh, thing i would uh say anybody's missing nowadays is that um if you interviewed any of the three of us from a pop culture quiz perspective you wouldn't know if we were born in 1930 or 1970 because when there was three <laughs> channels you had whatever was on prime time and then you had usually like we had wgn in winnemucca out of chicago which was yeah. a syndicated uh 
TV station and they had no original programming. They just played reruns of reruns, yeah. our gang and the Dick Van Dyke show and um, my three Alice. sons, leave it to beaver, Andy Griffith. The, yeah. And there was the 70 shows that they'd rerun F troop Jefferson's. But so, and then they would also have like a sort of movie of the week and every night they'd have a theme. So it'd be like bogey week and Hitchcock week. So yeah, even though yeah. all this stuff was way before my time, I still could tell you about the Three Stooges and the Marx Brothers and Alfred Hitchcock, whereas now there is no past because there's so much new content. There is no need to go back except for if you're a cinephile or you really want to dig into that stuff. So, but a lot of kids are not doing that. And now the kids are not. Why would you? Faced with all the choices they have, or hey, let's go watch reruns of uh, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, with all these choices, why would you yeah. go watch? With uh, all that extra time on my hands, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's one thing that differentiates Generation X from a lot of the other uh, generations is we are very. It's kind of what you're saying. Like we're really super well versed and rich in pop culture knowledge, exactly because what you're talking about. Because we were very familiar through reruns of all the shows before we were even born, as well as the shows from when, you know, we were uh, as kids from our childhood and beyond. So, you know, we kind of have our, our, our feet in a lot of different generations of media. And I think we're more pop culture savvy than a lot of the other generations are. And it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. I like well, that idea of sort of pop, hanging on to pop the culture history, right? I- I, mm-hmm. I won't go so far as to say I'm savvy about current pop culture, but maybe more right. savvy about like the history, history therein. Like what has paved the road to what the kids yeah. are all into these days, which I have no fucking clue. I have a slight um, vantage point into the newest stuff just from my daughter. She's always, mm-hmm. hey, have you seen this on YouTube? Have you seen this? And if it wasn't for that, I would have zero knowledge about kind of what's going on now in a pop cultural sense. But because of her, I, I have somewhat of a grasp on it. That's, that's um, why we all had kids, right? Yeah, right. That's why yeah, yeah, I had kids. Something to cling but, on to relevancy. But even this weekend, you know, I was looking on um, Disney Plus, another streaming uh, channel. And, of course, they carry all the Star Wars stuff. And... There is an unbelievable amount of Star Wars shows that you can watch right now. You know, the Clone Wars, um, of course, the Mandalorian and stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's crazy. There's probably about at least a dozen Star Wars shows that I will probably never, ever watch. It's just because I don't have the time. I don't have the time mm-hmm. and energy to like sit through, you know, however many episodes of some obscure Star Wars show. But it's crazy. That's just and that's just Star Wars. Well, you you know, that's that's a really good point, though, too. And it kind of illustrates it kind of illustrates like another another evolution of like the media and the way we consume it is also the way that we kind of reference it. Right. Like, remember, you know, another, you know, back in the day kind of thing, going through big ass, thick movie rating books. Right. And that used to be very the Leonard Malton. Yeah, yeah. You, you, go to, you go to a library, yeah, you go totally. to a bookstore, and they had whole sections of like movie review books, and you'd flip through the yeah. book, and you know, you and it's by genre and by producer and director and all this kind of crap, and it's yeah. all cross referenced. But but ultimately, it was like to tell you, it's like okay, yeah, there's a lot of movies out there, and even though it was like super limited of the you know few hundred movies that, that was at your local you know VHS rental place or blockbuster or whatever, you still went to kind of those books. But but now to your point, Brad, it's like it it has exploded so much that you know a book ain't gonna cut it anymore and who who the hell's gonna read a book for that anymore but there still is a a really really rich need for somebody to tell me don't bother watching this shitty ass um star wars spinoff of a spinoff of a series and instead (laughs) watch this other show that's actually decent and worth watching yeah right well that's what rotten to me that's what we use rotten tomatoes for now right pretty much I mean, the first thing, if, if, yeah, if you're sometimes. thinking of watching a movie, at least for me, I flip over to Rotten Tomatoes, enter the movie in. OK, it's got higher than an 80 percent rating, so maybe I'll check it out. 
So yeah, you know, takes the guesswork out of it. There's a there's a whole other fucking rabbit hole though too, right? Like e- even when, regardless of the medium, right? If it was you know some book they were printing out or the newspaper or you're watching uh, what was that show with uh, the TV show with the two dudes? Cisco and Ebert. There you go, Cisco and Ebert. No, I used yeah. to watch that show like all the time. I love oh, that, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah. every 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 time you see some sort of review like that, you're like, well, wait a second. He said it sucked, but actually my my friend, my cousin's third nephew said it was actually really good right so there's there's always there's always that there's always the well but right that's That's true that's what's great about rotten tomatoes though because it's not just one person stating their opinion it's an average collection of multiple reviewers so there's thousands of people that you can say well yeah but well yeah Yeah. normally you wouldn't have had access to it you would see the print ad in the paper and they might if they got 10 good reviews they would put it in the print ad Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Time magazine. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Newsweek. Cisco and, and so, Ebert say thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> and Spell and that's worth me. a lot of money. And then we would go watch it and say thumbs up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, you would have your local newspaper, uh, Moira McDonald of the Seattle Times, and you would have Cisco and Ebert, maybe whatever magazine yeah. you subscribe to. So you would have yeah. three reviews. Now there's like 400 reviews so much so that you've got a site to conglomerate and average those reviews oh my god yeah and even then they're still off have you ever watched a rotten tomatoes review that they're like it's 46 percent it's shit and you're like i love it no totally yeah oh yeah for sure and and it goes both ways right seeing some shit that was like super awesomely reviewed uh rotten tomatoes and you watch it and you're like nah (laughs) of course yep yeah yeah more that than the other one probably Yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure. You know, and, and this this kind of reminds me, too, of like now that there is so much content, it's like back back in the day. Right. When the Internet was relatively new and search engines were relatively new and Google hopped on the scene and 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 so forth. There was just lots and lots of discussions about, like, are they getting this right? Like there is so much stuff on the interwebs. Right. Like is Google or some or Bing or Yahoo or whatever these other um, you know search engines that aren't even around anymore. Right. Are, are they doing is one of them doing a better job than the other? And, and now we've got like all of these things that you you list, like you know, Netflix and Hulu. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I think some of these um, in terms of like their recommendations and their searchability are way better than others. You know, what oh, I'm yeah. About? Netflix sure. Sucks. I hate Netflix. Oh, thank you. All I want to see, <laughs> I want to go on a rant. I would <laughs> love to see, kids. not like, here's what we recommend for you. Here's sci-fi movies we recommend. Here's thrillers we recommend. Here's true crime we recommend. I would love, love to see the fucking A to Z list and just let me go through it. I don't want. Yeah, to, yeah. I don't exactly. want to see what you think I like based on what I watched this last week. Just give me the raw data what's available and there's actually some i've seen it before there's like a website that will tell you everything on netflix and you need to go into your browser and type in exactly what it is but there's thousands of movies on there that you could search up on a browser but through your app on your netflix on your phone on your tv you won't be able to do that but yeah i'm i'm sick of you looking at my google search and trying to guess what i like just give me the raw data (laughs) a couple of years ago i had uh we had somebody uh you know leaching our netflix account right and we've all we've all been there done that but it was i haven't been there done that oh oh, okay sorry uh but somebody swinger you gave it to at the party or what I guess I, I guess it was too drunk to remember or something. Somebody, you know, w- w- was was using our Netflix account, and uh, it it raised some some questions into my eyebrows because we started seeing all these recommendations of movies that were subtitled in Spanish. And we're like, hmm, okay, well, um, one of us speaks a little Spanish in this household, but I don't think I would really be watching a lot of movies all subtitled in Spanish. So what the hell's going on? And, and I guess the whole whole point is like, obviously, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all these guys try to be super savvy about like, oh, well, you watch this. So therefore you must be totally into, you know, all of these other types of movies and, and genres and stuff like that. But sometimes it just just did not get it right. I yeah. thought it was going to be juicier than that. You're going to be like, ass fuck gangbang. I don't watch those kind of movies. 
Is is, that, is that available on Netflix? <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> I have a right subscription. <laughs> my, my search is not pulling up the, the right results I'm expecting. <laughs> it's like the curtained area of those old video stores, the mom and pop stores. There's always like a curtained area. That's where the that's where the shit was. That's where the need to be 18 to yep. curtain. Uh, yeah. Now you don't even you can be five and look up Asfoot Gangbang on your browser and get more than you bargained for. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. What was that? Too early for the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Brad kicked us off with with quantity and Lou, you kind of went into quality but i think both of those are just such distinct rich ideas right for the quality wise um i don't know i kind of i don't know about you guys but i kind of vacillate back and forth between it seems like there's more opportunity to have good high quality media being made and there's lots of it um but there's also the, the same old like mediocre crap that we all you know watched and grew up with as kids this is i i just kind of ignore it so so it's it's really not on my radar i don't know about you guys yeah i tried to do a thing recently where and this is this is a meme everybody's done it like you spend an hour looking for something to watch and not watch anything (laughs) so i've been doing this thing where i just start watching it whatever pops up i'll give it a shot if i haven't heard of it I'm not going to judge it, and uh, you give it like the first 15 minutes, and if it sucks, you know, move on. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've come up on a few gems that way. So, um, but what yeah. you're what you're saying, Lou, that brings up another good point. Is simple better? Because back in the day, we're talking about three channels. You turn on the TV after school. Channel number one, soap opera. Channel number two, soap opera. Channel number three, the Flintstones. Boom, that's what you end up watching. Like you didn't have to think about it. There was no hour of like scrolling through cable or all the streaming services. Like, what the hell do I watch? Because there's so many choices. It was like a very easy decision to make. Yeah, but what you're saying is soap opera sucks. Soap opera two sucks. The Flintstones suck. So, but it's the better option. So that's the one you pick. (laughs) (laughs) So you settle for the Flintstones. Sure, I've seen this episode 57 times before, but damn it, it's better than General Hospital. I know. Get Smart was amazing, but is it really amazing? Have you looked at Get Smart? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. That generation gap is kind of fun. I had a job where this uh, woman I was training, I would say at the time I was, was just when the kids were being born. So I was like 38 and she was like 24. So that's not a huge age gap. But one morning orc, I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? What'd you do last night? She's like, oh, I went and saw this musical at the Paramount. You would love it because it's music from your generation. I was like, oh, cool. What was it? It was uh, the Four Seasons documentary. The What was it called? Jersey Boys? She, was she like, thought it was saw, from your generation. I went and saw Jersey Boys and it's music from your generation. You would love it. And like the Four Seasons were having hits before I was born. But the irony right. is that. That's exactly what I listened to growing up. I loved the Four Seasons when I was five. <laughs> so that sort of the fact that that stuff years before us was on repeat, I do kind of appreciate. So uh, she she knew she knew your flavor. She knew my flavor. Yeah. I saw this amazing show. Our gang. Have you ever seen it? There's Spanky <laughs> and there's Buckwheat and they're getting little scamps getting into trouble. Someone put a banana in the tile pipe and he stuck his eye up to it and now he's got a black eye. That was a damn good show. I, yeah. So um, I don't know. But unless you had a film class that made you watch Kurosawa and uh, um, a lot of those old movies, you would never watch it. So was anybody yeah. going down an Igmar Bergman path? Is anybody going down a Kurosawa path? Is anybody going down a Hitchcock path? Probably not. But that well, that's amazing, and it's mm, worth your time. Mm-hmm. So it's I do appreciate that sort of making me watch old black and white, you know, bogey movies and uh, Hunchback uh-huh, of Notre yeah. Dame, and a lot of that stuff is amazing. Not just for the time, Citizen Kane, that stuff that holds up 
And I, I will say film class is some of the most enjoyable college setting memories for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah I had a really sure. good one too. Yeah. And uh, what did they make you watch? Do you remember any of them? No, Probably what totally. we just said. Nope. Bergman. Uh-uh. Don't remember. Kurosawa, and, and, and I, I rack my brain every couple of years. I rack Orson my Wells. brain like, like, man, the movies I saw were just absolutely amazingly, incredibly good. Uh, totally don't remember any of them. Don't remember the directors. Don't remember the, the titles. Don't, don't remember shit about any of them. I'm like, no, nah, well, <laughs> glad I got to see it once because I ain't going to look it up again. Hmm. Which sucks because I would love to rewatch some of those flicks from. Well, you shouldn't have watched them when you were uh, three cans down, which uh, we might want to interrupt this segment to talk about uh, what's in your can. Oh, yeah. Personal, don't you? Oh, beer. Beer. Well, I guess I'll start since I'm kind of the uh, unofficial host. So tonight I am hoisting a can of Pike Place Brewery, uh, their Golden Needle IPA. Pike? And uh, nice. yeah, the it's... Pike Place Brewery. Have you ever been to that brewery down? It's at the Pike oh, Place course. Market. Of oh, course. Yeah. 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 So this is their Golden Needle IPA, and it uh, clocks in at a uh, 6.3%. So uh, is it a pale ale? Not too bad. No, it's an IPA. Oh, okay. I don't think I've had that one. It's pretty good. Nice. It's pretty good as far as IPAs go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, gentlemen? Uh, all right. So this week. I'm gonna get a little get a little bougie. Uh-oh. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> j- you know, came came back from dinner. Went out to to dinner earlier. Went out to uh, a, a nice restaurant down in Pioneer Square in Seattle. Had a great dinner at um, a restaurant called the Deadline. Okay. And uh, uh, in addition to having a very impressive bar and liquor selection and some fantastic mixed drink cocktails with some some very talented bartenders they also had one draft beer which was um chimay blue label which okay. in my mm. experience is almost unheard of to find on draft at least around here i i have never seen blue label on draft. i've had blue label a number of times before it's fantastic very time. rare to find any chimay on draft Exactly. Exactly. So I don't I think, think I've well, ever seen it on draft. I to pretty be frank. much, yeah. I pretty much have to have that. So I did. I had had a Chimay Blue Labels. Fantastic. It's a, um, uh, it's uh, a, a a dark one of their one of Chimay's darker ales from the from one of the very few Trappist breweries in um, in Belgium, and it was fantastic. So then. Once I came home, I was still very much in a in a in a Belgium kind of mood. So, so you I got some new Belgium. Uh, well, you know, funny you should say that. That's actually I got a bunch of new Belgium in the fridge. But no, I went I went old Belgium, went old Belgium, and I popped open <laughs> something that's been in the cellar for a number of years. One of my um, one of my creme de la creme beers. But I figured, you know what? I'm, Let's let's do it. Let's do it. We're recording the podcast. It's it's worth it. So I popped open a uh, Duchess de Bourgogne, and I I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not. Um, Close enough. From from um, brewery Verhog Vichte. <laughs> nice. I, I'm I'm sure I'm butchering that, uh, or or I'm getting it completely correct. One of the two uh, in Belgium. <laughs> and, um, very, very nice. A nice red um, uh, Flanders style ale. Super, super um, spicy and uh, and quite delicious. Hmm. Spicy Barrel like barrel aged apples. Heat spicy or just a lot of pr- flavor profile going on? Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of different like herbs and spices going on there. So it would probably be an insult to say what's the ABV on that bad boy, right? Well, you know, it, it it it's it's a barrel aged. It's like an eighteen or eight, yeah, eighteen month old barrel aged, which you would expect, like, oh shit, barrel aged for eighteen months. <laughs> but no, it's actually only uh, it's only a six percent. Oh, well, still, but it's that... got very very rich kind of barrel aged flavor profile of something that would be like a you know a twelve. Right. Huh. That sounds delicious. It is. So. Freaking expensive, <laughs> but damn it, I'm worth it. Nice. All right, that's a good one. I'm drinking a New Belgium 
funny you should ask. Oh, look at that. It's uh, the Belgium theme. We were just uh, finishing up dinner before it began, so I haven't even had a chance to crack it open. So there we go. Nice. There we go. Which which one? Uh, Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. Uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, oh nice. they, they've got that these. Uh, their Imperial IPA is like a nine percent. <laughs> this one is still packs a mean punch, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ju- Juicy Haze IPA, uh, you know, like like the traditional Belgian style Juicy Hazy IPA. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they they got the new in front of it, so yeah. They're, they're what in? Uh, they're in uh, what? Fort Collins, right? Uh, New Belgium's and I thought it was an Oregon thing. I thought there was. I think they're Colorado. Look at the bottle. You got oh, the bottle. You're right. Fort Collins. Yeah, it's Colorado. There you go. Colorado. Yep. Nice. Because nice. they make the. They of course make fat tires as well, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also have um, East Coast Brewery is in Asheville, North Carolina. Nothing could be finer. That's right. Hmm. All right, we took a little detour down to what's in your can. Um, let's get back to, um, is there too much good stuff on your viewing machines nowadays? <laughs> did we <laughs> did we beat that to death? Or um... Well, you know, one, one thing that kind of pisses me off is, is, is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lazily, very lazily relying on some of the recommendations from, you know, from Hulu and from Netflix and from Amazon Prime. Like, I don't know what the fuck to watch, you know. Please tell me, right? And I expect, like, like when I watch something, you know, interesting. Like I watched um, the other day, I watched um, Mother, Darren Aronofsky, right? You know what Ooh, like I'm that's about, a good right? one. Oh yeah. So I, I watched yeah, that. And I'm that. like, okay, it's a crazy ass movie. I'm like, cool. So now <laughs> really? that I watch that, surely Amazon Prime is going to recommend all sorts of crazy ass shit to go along with that. Like, you just watched Mother. Surely you're baked out of your mind and you'll want to watch this, right? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. It's like it's like I watched Mother yeah. and that has just gone into the ether and Amazon Prime has completely forgotten about it. And it's like, oh, fuck you. Oh, they're not no. like uh... – you need to watch Brazil next, or yeah, whatever. no, nothing like that, nothing like that. Really pissing me off. So it's like, what do I have to watch for Amazon Prime to finally figure out that I am uh, a, a sick puppy and I'm only going to be watching like crazy ass sick puppy movies? Hmm. Yeah, yeah you're right puppy. about that. And is on a on an unrelated side note, the one thing I like about Amazon that the other streaming services need to like get on board with. What I love about it is if you're watching something on Amazon and you hit the pause button, everybody who's on the screen, it'll show you their name, like who, oh, the, yeah. who the person yeah, is. Call it X-ray and or something? Yeah, that is awesome. Because so, there's so many times when you're watching a movie or a TV show and you're like, who is that guy? I know that guy from somewhere. On Amazon Prime, you just pause it and it'll tell you exactly who it is. And for yeah, some reason, the other cool. ones don't do that. It's really annoying yeah. when you just want to fucking pause the movie and they get right back into it. And instead, you got like avatars of all the actors on the screen. You're like, come on. <laughs> Speaking of uh, all-time character actors, did you hear who passed away today? Yeah, Uh-oh. Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. That's right. Shit. Ned Beatty. Ah, wow. Superman, the original Superman. I'm pour out a little. Well, little no, bit he was like Lex Luthor's uh, henchman. But it was in the original Superman, right? Or was it? Yeah, he no, he was right. in yep. he was in one and two. He was Lex Luthor's. He was in henchman. one and two. Yep, Gene right. Hackman. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, but Network popped up, and that's an amazing movie. And who's going to watch yeah. Network if a film class doesn't assign it to them? Oh, Generation the, Xers like us. Or, everybody's well, too busy watching watch the Network, not Network. And uh, Deliverance, of course. Mm. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Ned Beatty was in Deliverance. He was squeal like a pig. He was the guy who got. Oh, that's oh right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Crazy. All right. I'm gonna pull up my Amazon Prime or my Netflix or whatever and say, "Hey man, hit me, Ned Beatty, hit me." And then because he was in Deliverance, him and Burt Reynolds struck up a friendship. So he's in a lot of like Stroker Ace, and he's probably in Cannonball Run and. Bert would always bring him over for whatever uh, thing he was working on. In fact, Ned Mady probably would have pretty good uh, sheriff in Smoking the Bandit. 
You think he would have made a better sheriff than um, Jackie Gleason? Buford T. No, Justice? but uh, <laughs> Buford T. Justice. <laughs> Buford <Some> T. Bitch. Justice. <laughs> <laughs> that brings me back to when we first got cable, speaking about all this TV stuff, and uh, we had HBO. And, you know, that was like the first premium movie channel you could watch where you could watch rated R movies and things like that outside of the theater. And that's one of the, the movies that they played on repeat. It was uh, Smoking the Bandit and I think Smoking the Bandit 2. Um, all those old classic comedies from the early 80s. Speaking of I don't know shit about cars, how bad did you want a Firebird Trans Am after watching that movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> my dad got one. My dad got a Trans Am. Yeah, I was jazzed. I was psyched. Oh, was it the flaming chicken on the hood? T-tops? Yeah, it was the, it was a T-top. It was a gold nice. Yeah. Wow, nice. So uh, my family was balling for a, for a while in that car. We were All ballers. your friends were like, damn, your dad's got a smoke in the band of Firebird. Yeah, yeah. There were some envious looks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wrapped it around a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway... <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about all the, the movies that they played on repeat on HBO back when we first got it. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. it kind of goes back to my point about, you know, having less choices. Is that better or worse? And, uh, you know, y- you would see a movie three times a week and you'd watch it three times because there wasn't anything else on. But you enjoyed it just the same. Or, or you, you, you know, you'd go through the the schedule and you'd find out like when, like the the one time that month that the movie that you really want to see is playing, and it's like at two a.m. on a Thursday. And right. uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I like I like stayed up like a couple of times, like in uh, like in grade school, like stayed up to like you know midnight or one a.m. or something to watch some movie that I really you know some rated R movie that I really wanted to see, but it was only showing like one time that that month on HBO or something. I remember uh, waiting like barely barely making through it to like one a.m. to watch um, Death Race. 3000 or was death race 2000 death race 3000 remember that one david carradine and uh uh, sylvester stallone was in it and oh my god that that that, that was a brutal movie that movie changed my life that 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 (laughs) yeah that 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 movie both scarred me and and uh enlightened me at the same time yeah like and nowadays it's even on the cable networks like rated r movies they show them after 10 o'clock or nine o'clock or something but when I first got before we had HBO, we had the movie channel and it was before we had cable. We had three networks, WGN and the movie channel, and they didn't have any compunction about putting a rated R movie on at three o'clock. So one day I came home <laughs> from school and I started watching A Clockwork Orange. Oh, there's a good one. When I was 11 years old. Movie? And there's like, yeah, this horrible violence and these horrible rape scenes. And I was like a latchkey kid. My mom didn't get home till five. And I watched this thing and she came home and I was like traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw the ultra violence as they said. A little bit of the ultra violence. Stopped crying, you know, in in a little ball in your room. You're like, Stanley Kubrick is a genius. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Death Wish at 3.30 one time and. Ooh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if the first scene is where the, a band of thugs breaks into his house and rapes and murders his family. And it's a incredibly graphic scene. And I, at some point I was just like so horrified I turned it off. And then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But so that's probably a good thing nowadays. They're a little more sensitive to that because I wouldn't want my kids watching the opening scene of Death Wish or any of Clockwork Orange until they're 18. So. But what's to prevent them from going on to TV, going on to six, onto your browser and typing right now? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if it's available on Netflix or on one of the the streaming, you can watch it anytime you want right now. That's true. And my kids. I mean, I know you have you have parent controls. You can have parent controls, but I don't know how many parents actually use those. Well, like we have a profile for every kids, but there's nothing to stop them from using my profile and watching whatever they want. Right. (laughs) No kids. Don't watch Daddy's profile. No, no, no. (laughs) Luckily for me, and like you 
you told me this in a separate thing, Brad, where you were like, Madeline doesn't even care about movies or series or shows. Maybe now she's she's in college and her taste is expanding. But in high school, she just watched the YouTube channel from Teddy V or whatever bullshit. And that was what they watched. And that's kind of what my kids watch. Like, why would you watch a YouTube channel of someone playing a video game rather than just playing the video game? (laughs) They do that a lot. He plays Rocket yeah, League. He watches videos of play, people playing Rocket League. Twitch, but yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a good a point. You know, and the whole you know we were talking about you know way way back right, like how the internet has definitely commoditized um, you know media consumption that way. But it, you know, it, it, and one way it did that was introduce new ways for you to cons- to consume what is essentially a new form of medium, right? So like YouTube is you know started off with you know hosting a bunch of videos that existed in other formats and it just happened to be available on YouTube and it's super convenient. You can watch it on your computer or whatever. And now it's like, you know, Twitch and YouTube and everything, they have their own, um, you know, their their own content that is essentially, you know, fairly unique to I can stream it on YouTube or I can stream it on Twitch and it's a, you know, it's somebody else playing a video game or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, that, that didn't exist, you know, a few decades ago. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating, it, it's just fascinating to see that, that not only is there more stuff to watch, but there's more kind of genres of content to consume. Well, and I know it's like pretty common too for some kids, they would rather watch other people playing video games and sit down and play the video game themselves. Like that's actually preferable than playing the video game, which is which is just weird to me. It's mind-blowingly weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the reality. <laughs> okay, so I played I think- a few games with with my son and and I, I mean, I won't go so far as to say, well, I really want to just kind of watch somebody else play instead of playing it myself. But sometimes like some games are um, they have a pretty steep learning curve, right? Like so you're playing the game and you're like, OK, mm-hmm. this is kind of fun, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And I don't know what controls or whatever. And it's like eh, it's going to take me like hours and hours to like figure like how I unlock the you know blah 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 or whatever and it's like hmm well actually i could just watch this guy playing that actually shows me how i could like shave you know 20 hours off my gameplay by just showing like, me like the little <laughs> tips and tricks to like okay i just want to fucking unlock this chest i don't want to have to like you know grind for six hours just to learn how to do it or whatever so i can i can totally see the appeal um if especially if you are a gamer like my son is is pretty hardcore right i haven't quite got down that path because i'm not i'm not quite that motivated but i could definitely see the appeal yeah yeah i've done it myself i don't play a lot of video games but we got a zelda game and those games on uh, nintendo are, are beautiful and so I, I started getting into it, and it's a platform game. And you're right, Jeremy. I don't want to spend 20 hours to find the fucking gold key. So I got on YouTube, and it was like, Zelda, World 2-1, where to find key? And it showed me, and it was like, oh, okay, good. So, Lou, what did you think of Breath of the Wild? I loved it. It's a great game. And especially Wind Walkers. I love mm-hmm. that one even more. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hear that. Is that on the um, is that on the new Nintendo Switch? I don't think so. It was originally a uh, it was Wii. a Wii game. Yeah. And then it, they they made a it was a Wii game. Uh, okay. They made an HD version of it for Wii U, which is actually pretty uh, stunning. It's it's impressive. A lot of it. It's yeah, Wind Walker is one of the one of the games that that did um, some pretty cool things with the Wii U, the little tablet thingy, right, with the little touchscreen and all that. It had some pretty pretty interesting things that they did with the tablets. One of the few games that actually, you know, kind of utilized the Wii U's functionality. Most games like didn't. <laughs> right. Like, way we are going way off on a tangent here. Oh my god. Yeah, let's bring it back. I think bring uh, it back. Come on. <laughs> we're we're 50 minutes in. <laughs> Let's wrap this yeah. up by saying uh, <laughs> all you oh kids missed out on not knowing the 50 years of movies and television shows that happened before you were born, many of which are amazing, but you'll never find them because there's 50 things that came out this week and there's going to be 50 things that came out next week and there's going to be 100 things that come out this month and 
You're never going to have a reason to go back in time. So rewatch the Munsters from season one. Most importantly, though, they missed Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. There was nothing better than Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. And that is dead in the water and has been for a long time. What's that one? Um, the Great Space Coaster? Oh, no, that wasn't an animated one, was it? The Great Space Coaster. You're talking that about was- Space Ghost? No, no, no. For me, that was a weekday. That was a weekday in the morning. The Great Space Coaster, and that had Gary Gnu. Which yep, there you go. Yep, but that wasn't animated, was it? That was like like puppets and shit, right? Yeah. Oh, puppets, yeah. Yeah. So old, I don't even remember what the hell Gary Gnu was. <laughs> How do you spell <laughs> Gnu again? Oh, I don't, shit, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was the show was called The Great Space Coaster. You never saw that, Lou? Back in the eighties. That wasn't part of your. Uh, no, I no. I never heard of it. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. You can go back. It's probably on um, some channel. I'm sure. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'm sure it's on YouTube or you know. All right. What else we got? What else we got left this uh, we, we, week? Do Brad? we have a uh, Do we have let's, a don't know shit? Let's knock it on the head and move on. Yeah. Who's doing don't Who's know shit? doing don't know shit? Uh, that would be me. I don't, know, I don't know shit about podcast scripts. So for our listener, we have a recurring segment called I Don't Know Shit About Dot Dot Dot. And it's where one of us dummies tries to drop some knowledge on the head of the other two dummies for something they don't know about. So for this week, we're going to do I Don't Know Shit About Metal. Metal. Nice. <laughs> All right. All right, I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta share, I gotta share, share some very timely knowledge. And I, I, Lou, you, you did, I, I just, I can't believe you even brought this up. I was hanging out with a friend today, and they were telling me about um, cruises. Right, we're all familiar. You get on a big boat and you go somewhere, you know, to cruise, right? But they have theme cruises, and you know, so they have like, you know, gay cruises, and they have um, show tune cruises. That's where we met. There you go. Cruise. Yeah. And they have um, a one called uh, Rock the Boat, which, as you can guess, is is a, a rock music. And and and, and they're, they're, this friend of mine is actually going on one of these Rock the Boat cruises. And I was curious. I was like, well, OK, well, you know, rock is a pretty big genre of music. What kind of rock are we talking here? Right. And it turns out it's, it's kind of like what you'd expect. It's like, you know, kind of pop rock, you know, popular rock um you know type of stuff and they have like they hire some like you know cover band that comes on and does you know popular rock tunes or whatever in the boat and all this kind of stuff but lo and behold they also have metal cruises and i didn't even know this existed until today and i was like i i, I was i, I was I, I was giddy i i could i was beside myself thinking oh my god a metal cruise could be fantastic and I might be ahead of you. Are you the, talking about the one that popped up recently where they've got like a big concert you see before you get on the boat? And it was like Rob Zombie and a couple others. And on the boat, there's like Mastodon and Opeth and some other stuff. Oh, I didn't even know that existed either. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That popped up on my thing. And uh, yeah. Surprising. My wife's not as interested as, as I am in, in that type of cruise. Yeah, it's guy stuff. Barbara hates metal too, and I understand it. It's, obnox- <laughs> it's obnoxious. What are you going to do? So in this segment, a, but there's a go, go ahead. ahead, Lou. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say on the metal cruise, I heard of one recently, but it wasn't awesome groups like Mastodon and you know groups Uh-oh. you'd actually want to see. It was Uh-oh. all the uh, like B level washed up metal bands. Washed up it was metal like bands from the eighties that are Kingdom playing. Kingdom Come you know, and Night Ranger. <laughs> Not even Night Ranger. Night Ranger would be kind of cool. You yeah, wish. Like, like the Bullet Boys. Smooth up in ya. Oh my god! Real the really shitty bands that I, 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 you didn't now, even like back in the day. <laughs> now I can't decide which cruise I would rather go on: the one with like the really awesome heavy metal bands, or the one with all like that super shitty washed up metal bands? Because that could be like ridiculously fun. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Being trapped on a boat for a week with a bunch of drunk B-level metal band. I don't know. Yeah, you uh, got to think of who wants to go on the Cinderella yeah. Bullet Boys cruise. And do you want to <laughs> exactly. spend a week with those people in close quarters? <laughs> There's a lot of teased hair on those cruises. <laughs> a lot of teased hair. Teased hair with a bald spot somewhere underneath the tease. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of balding mullets. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, the chrome in the front. <laughs> so the reason I brought up uh, you don't know shit about metal is like we're not doing this in the same room. So when I bring that up, I can see your guys' heads craning around, going, "Who's he talking about? I know mm-hmm. shit about metal." And uh, this is also a segment I like to call Let's Give Jeremy a Hard Time because this one popped into my head uh, just a couple nights ago where I was watching some uh, live Metallica stuff on YouTube. And I remember this was a couple months ago, Jeremy, we were hanging out and he went, I was what you didn't sound like this in the time. That's what you sounded like to me. I was watching a YouTube video about Metallica. James Hetfield's actually a really amazing guitar player. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who wow. knew you, you can't play an amazing guitar player and play that music who knew everybody but you that's who knew who knew he's on the 100 best guitar players of all time list that's who knew <laughs> so explain yourself jeremy what were jeremy you listening to when you weren't listening to metallica well i i have a i have a good excuse for that i have a good excuse <laughs> okay. for this. my initial um exposure to metallica was limited to the music and like a poster or a you know an album or a picture or something like that it, it there was there was no visual connection to the band at all other than a, a little bit of um you know like some album artwork and shit like that some posters and crap like that and then and then the music right so then you know i, w- I was hooked on the music i was like oh my god this is fucking great so I, I like started doing some more research about like this this band is fucking great and like what which, what albums are available where can i go buy them and you know yada yada so and then but then you start le- learning about the members of the band and Hetfield, it, it, you know, essentially is known for like the front man and the vocals and his guitar work is is oftentimes kind of pushed off as a as a side note. All right. I'm going to stop you right there. You maybe throw up my mouth a little bit. You weren't <laughs> listening to the music. James Hetfield writes all the songs, and he's got the baddest ass right hand in the land. All those agreed, riffs. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing at all. I'm just saying. Wait, that, but like, he's not the lead guitarist. He's not playing all the riffs. It's, uh, he's the, the rhythm guitarist. That's right. That's right. Kirk, Kirk just plays what James writes, and then he does a solo somewhere in the middle. Right. But, but my point is that those those details are often left out on the very like a superficial kind of exposure to the band that you might get by like reading like a uh, you know some you know magazine article or write uh, you know the back of a CD or you, you know some uh, uh, you know tour poster or whatever like your very limited exposure to the band especially like when you're new to the band you didn't know who the fuck these guys were last week um, it, it just seems like you know he, he was kind of like he's the front man he's the vocalist guy and Kirk is the the guitar guy right and and it wasn't until you know deeper that you're like oh wait a second you know so anyway. Anyway, that that's my excuse. It's it's lame, but that's I'm sticking with that. All right, it's super lame. You said I I listened to it, and then you, you didn't hear it. Well, come, all come songs on. by Metallica. You be able to tell me like, oh, I, I I know who was playing that just by listening to it. Come on. All right, fair enough. But come on. To be fair, your metal card's been revoked. Fine. <laughs> no, to, to be fair, uh, James Hetfield is not known for his guitar playing skills. He's not. Yes, he like is. He, he's not. When you see like you know the top metal guitarists and stuff, he's not on there. He's, yes, he is on there. There's the Rolling Stone list of the hundred best guitarists, and he is on there. When Deal with it. Sure? Come out. Did it come out in the eighties? Mm-hmm. It's the one that came out yesterday. Look it up. He's right below Carl Perkins and right ahead of Tom Verlaine or somebody. I don't know. Back when I was an ignorant teenager, Rolling Stone wasn't telling me he was a top ten guitarist. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I've never, I've never <laughs> thought of him as, as, as a, for his guitar skills. Like he's an awesome front man, but I've never known Hetfield for like being an amazing guitar player either. Well, he's Brad, you one, and Jeremy can not... hang out in the fucking wagon of people who've had their metal cards revoked. But fact, you know, well, you know what? I, I gladly give up my my metal card be, because of the uh, of something that we brought up a couple of episodes before, which is and and you guys should know this. Like I I'm I'm really into music, but I I don't I'm not into like 
the band, right? Like I don't know like all the members of the band and how you know the instruments they play and who wrote this song and and the details and how this album came together. It's like I will absolutely like lose myself in the music, but I'm I'm really not into like the details of the band and how they formulated the song and how who who was doing what and what instruments and the history of it or whatever. I just that that kind of um th- those kind of details are not as interesting to me as just losing myself in the music and and perfect example is like there's some you know bands that i love and and you brought up like chevelle like i I absolutely love chevelle love love, new chevelle record kicks ass you will love it i have have no i have no doubt but yet you know i i couldn't tell you the band members names i i know like i think two of them are brothers and stuff like that but i i just i just don't know the details of like who plays the instruments who wrote the songs whatever but i absolutely love the music and they're, they're one of my all-time favorite bands but i don't really i don't know shit about them as a band I, what I just, about in the record album days you never like sat back putting the album on like kicking back with the the album cover and pulling out the the linear notes and like reading all the shit as the music was playing you never did that yes, i did I, I absolutely did but but i i i stopped at like the music do- the album the band and the lyrics and that was it it's like i didn't get into the details of like oh who wrote this and who was playing drums on this al on this track and who was the lead guitarist or whatever i i just didn't that that information maybe I, I I read it and loved it at the time, but it just went in one ear and out the other. So Judas Priest, KK Downey, and Glenn Tipton, that meant nothing to you? Nope. Oh man. Okay. I think Metal right. card totally revoked. Judas Priest. Yeah, it is well, revoked. Well, totally one of my favorite. Right there for a right. while, Jeremy. It is revoked. Sorry. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Rip up my metal card. Fine. Okay, we'll, we'll give you one chance. Steve Harris was the bassist of which band? This is your one chance. Couldn't tell you. Oh, oh. man. It is going in the shredder. Your metal card is in the shredder right now. Couldn't tell you. Well, who was it? Iron <laughs> Maiden, dude. Iron Maiden. Yeah. Uh, Irons. Also, yeah, one of the chief songwriters of the band and widely regarded as one of the best bass players of all time. But there you do, go. Do you, have you guys heard that he's actually pretty good on bass? <laughs> I saw this YouTube video. Where he was just fucking shredding it, man. So I like the Brad Holden um, lineage of metal. You've got your metal tree, and of course, Black Sabbath is the the big bang of metal. And then you've got some pre-metal. You've got some Uriah Heep and some Deep Purple and mm-hmm. other people that influenced it. And then according to the Brad scale, because we were talking about new metal, which a lot of people think of as Corn and Limp Biscuit and Papa Roach. And that kind of hip-hop influence, late 90s metal. And uh, according to Brad's timeline, there is... Well, you tell it, Brad. What's your metal well, timeline? Yeah, you got your well, pre-metal, the then you've got metal. Your, your 80s metal. Or no, then you've got your British New Wave of heavy metal, right? Well, that's the most important one. Yeah, you had the first wave of metal, Black Sabbath, you know, Led Zeppelin. You can argue if they're metal or not, but they were laying the template down, groups like that. And then, yeah, the new wave of British heavy metal. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Dio, Saxon, um, Motorhead, mm-hmm. Motorhead, yeah, and that's what really brought the game to town, in my opinion. And then you had um, American metal bands popping up, and you had good ones, Metallica, Slayer, groups like that. But then you had all the shitty, in my opinion, you know, the glam bands down in hair metal. California. Yeah, we invented yeah, hair all metal. the hair metal bands. Yeah. Poison and Cinderella and Bullet Boys. So Great that was kind of going on at the same time. And I remember I was pissed off at that music back then because I was like into the true metal. I was going to see all the concerts in Spokane and I hated, I hated the, the, the hair metal stuff. The Sunset Strip Metal, or as I call them, Sons of Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what they were. Um, Did you like Van Halen? Yeah, I love Van Halen. I love Van Halen because they were kind of the OGs. They were before the new wave of British heavy metal. Mm-hmm. They were one of the groups that were that were putting the template down for you know what was awesome. Um, and then, but yeah, I wasn't down with the glam bands. And then, according to you, like the uh, everything past Corn and Limp Biscuit is all new metal. Um, yeah, I mean, like new metal, like that, that group Trapped and Papa Roach and um. 
I don't know. That was never really my cup of tea, but that's what I view as new metal, right? Isn't that yeah. it? And that's and Deftones is a good band who came out at that time. Who they they've actually bristled at that. They're like, we're not new metal. We're just metal that came out at the same time as Corn and Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Limp Biscuit. Got to remember those guys. <laughs> <laughs> they actually had a couple good tunes, but they became kind of a joke, right? Isn't that kind of how they met the end? Yeah, that's pretty much true. But they well, do what's, have... that, what's that spinoff band that um, uh, Limp Bizkit supposedly discovered and they got real big for a while there? You know what I'm talking about? Hmm. No. That'll come to me. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, Limp Bizkit did have uh, um, Wes, the guitar player for that band. He, he's a true OG and a badass guitar player. So, was he the guy uh, that dressed in all the weird outfits? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that was, he was always a... weird because you'd see him on stage, and they all were like wearing baseball back, you know, backwards baseball caps and Adidas shoes, and you know, rocking that look. And there he is, painted all black with uh, like fins or something. Yeah, exactly. Like a shark fin, something weird. <laughs> yeah, so there's a. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for Limp Biscuit, in that like uh, I know they did it all for the Nookie, but like they had an album that came out and like the. 2000 somewhere called the unquestionable truth and that's actually a badass metal album and uh, until fred durst starts singing so you kind of gotta take the good with the bad like the guitars are really awesome and the band's really awesome and then he's like yeah yeah y'all and <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do <laughs> so uh all right that was i don't know shit about metal we got anything else we want to do or you want to knock it on the head <laughs> That's good. Before you revoke any more of my music cards. <laughs> yeah, you can keep all the rest of them. You can keep your boy band card. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. A K-pop card. <laughs> you can keep the K-pop card. You can tell us all about <laughs> it next week on I Don't Know Shit About K-pop. Yeah. That's good because, you know, I just got it laminated, so. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, shit. All right, boys. It's <laughs> a good one. All right, Brad, you, you're taking us home, man. All right. Well, we covered some good trains tonight. And uh, with that, we bid you an adios. Adieu. Later, Later everybody.